And welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't done so yet, check out my weekly email where I share actionable website and marketing tips, useful podcasts, free goodies and more to kick off your week with a bang each and every Monday. Why not give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email. Today, I've got Trevor Park. Trevor's a VP of marketing over at Rent Dynamics. Trevor, welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing? How are you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I mean, it's it's my first time going international on this kind of stuff, so it's pretty oh, fun. Awesome. Pretty exciting. Awesome, man. Glad to have you. And I'm excited to talk on this topic. We're going to be chatting how people can prospect their dream clients in the B2B world. It should be useful, especially with the economic downturn that's hitting the UK, EU. I think you've got a bit of it in the US as well, right? Yeah, um, yeah, we do. So I want to teach marketers, sellers, business owners, whoever the heck's tuning in or watching, how they can find their dream clients, strike up those conversations, get those Zoom calls, get those phone calls flowing, and ultimately drive more revenue for their business. So as I like to do with our guests, Trevor, I like to throw them in straight in the deep end. So... What do you think is more important right now for B2B organizations? Do you think it's inbound or do you think it's outbound that we're going to talk about today? I think it's a super interesting concept in terms of like outbound is a great resource for, for companies that are just now getting established and just kind of getting that foothold because they have to do the cold calling. They have to do the just kind of broad outreach but once the company starts getting a little bit of a foothold with a customer base and they can start seeing their own data points, I think that shift has to go into inbound and it has to be focused around the customer right. and driving that, that, that conversation as to how the customers are performing with this tool. Yeah, it's, I always think it's an interesting one because if I look back at my own sales journey, like when I started at WebChoice and when I started at other marketing companies I worked for, I always pick the phone up first, yeah. but that was mainly because they were cash-strapped, bootstrapped companies, so they didn't have an injection of funding, they didn't have a load of cash to spend, whether that was other sales reps as well as me, or whether that was on marketing, ads, whatever you name it, so I didn't really have a choice, <laughs> so it wasn't like, <laughs> Sam, we've got these leads coming in, it was more like, Sam, if you don't generate some sales opportunities, you're, you're going to be on your ass. So yeah. <laughs> that, that was kind of my, and then from there, we kind of ramped up revenue once we got those meetings, once we got deals over the line and we had recurring revenue, then we could look at inbound. Um, and then we built up the agency on that basis. But a lot of tech companies I see, Trevor, still follow um, Aaron Ross's predictable revenue model. So having the, you know, the SDRs calling or emailing or social selling and generating those, those first conversation with prospects and then sending those through to account execs and whatever that's their sales cycle looks like um but i i almost wonder like if that's if that should be as heavy as it is because there's still a lot of tech companies i speak to especially in the b2b space they're almost hesitant to look at inbound um because they believe outbound is so so strong right now um i mean what what are your thoughts on that sort of things well so i i think inbound still or like outbound still has its place because of the fact that there's always going to be blind spots in your strategy. There's just, there's no way to not have 
a couple gaps where you're just not looking from a buyer persona perspective of like, this is, this is our target buyer. This is the people that are constantly buying. But then again, there's this little pocket out there that's just not being reached out to by anybody because they don't fit in anybody's buyer persona necessarily, mm. but they're looking to buy. And I think that's where the SDRs come into play of like picking up that phone call and learning a little bit about that, like the, the underdog of the buyer persona and being able to better understand what that looks like. And then they're the ones that are closing that piece. But I think it's a good like balance between the two, being able to have that really solid inbound strategy established, but having some sort of outbound still happening. Yeah. 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 I think, I think both both have always got their place. I, even as an inbound marketer and someone that puts solo episodes on this show all the time about the benefits of SEO and your website and making it your best sales rep and talking about demand mm-hmm. gen. What I like about Outbound is the fact that you can reach out to people before they're even thinking about your thing or your service or the problem you fix. So that's yeah. what I appreciate about it. Um, not only that, but it takes balls to cold call someone um, in the C-suite, not necessarily email, but I think cold calling definitely does. And yeah, it makes them almost think about your solution before you can position it through through ads. And if you do inbound and outbound together, they can work really nicely together that we've talked about. So yeah, uh, and I think, I think a good inbound strategy is having some sort of broad approach to where you're promoting what your product is doing and having success in. And if you are varied enough in your demographic for your LinkedIn ads or your Google ads or whatever, that'll help with the outbound a little bit as well. And it will still pull people in that might not necessarily be part of that key demographic, but they're part of that outer circle. And that's where you can kind of start pulling those in as well. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's not beat around the bush anymore. I know you've got a, almost a framework that you can share with us, Trevor, right from identifying kind of target clients and target persona right through to, to personalization and the actual outreach itself. So I'd love to know what you believe are some of the core fundamentals or the foundation rather that should be some of the first things you consider when you are prospecting in a B2B environment. What are some of the first steps? I think the, the, the biggest and most crucial piece is finding out what that, that buyer persona is. So I've, I've been lucky enough to both build marketing teams from scratch, but then also join marketing teams half in. And it's been a very common thing to be able to like have to find out like who's the one that's actually going to be buying this product and who's the one that's actually interested in it. So building that persona is really important um, to, to kind of kick off any sort of prospecting because you don't want to waste your time on people that's not wanting to buy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So making sure you're actually reaching out to people that are going to be relevant and mm-hmm. I guess guess have a problem that you you can fix um, and are going to be beneficial to your organization. Are there any tips that you recommend when it comes to actually putting that strategy together? Anything that you recommend people do? I I start with our customer success team first and foremost. Because like sales sales are they're going to talk to everybody. They're going to be able to to get anybody to buy anything. And so I think like when you have a good sales team, like they're going to be able to convince anybody all that stuff. But the ones that you really want to focus on are who's the one that's continuing to buy your product and who's the one that's going to be like retained. And so that's where like the CS team really comes in. You're like your account management team. And they're the ones of like, here's our most adopted user persona. And how do we work that back into the decision maker? And so like 
sometimes the product that we sell isn't actually being used by the person that's signing the contract. It's being used by a couple tiers down. But so like having that understanding of who that, that user is and then working it through and being like, okay, so that user reports into this person, but that person doesn't have decisioning power. So let's go one tier up and find that person that will actually sign the contract. That's kind of where I start is working with our CS team. Got it. So actually understanding who are the ones that are using your product. Um, and is it a case of looking for, are there certain things or patterns that you should look for? I, these this demographic in this industry um, of this company size are kind of the most high ticket or high value customers that we have. And they seem to be our most frequent and regular customer or are there any other things that you recommend people do? I usually start. So we, we start by looking at like who's logging in the most and who's actually using the tool and identifying what those roles are. And so we can kind of see based off of frequency of our tool use of, like in, in our case, we're in multifamily real estate. And so we have leasing agents using our tools. We have property managers using our tools. We have um, asset managers using our tools and then executives. And so we can see based off of frequency that leasing agents are using our CRM more frequently than anybody else. Right. And so we identify that leasing agents are like one of our key demographics of people that want to use our tool. And then we see that like asset managers are only using a subset of our tool, which is like more of the reporting aspect of things. And gotcha. so we, we've identified that piece. And so we can kind of break those out into the personas based off of their use cases. And then we go into like their roles. And then in terms of like location and stuff, we, we really don't target based off of like a certain geography or anything, but it's definitely role based for us in terms of what their role is and how they have that decisioning power. Yeah. 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 Understood understood um and is how much depth do we need to go to in your opinion trevor in terms of actually this persona are there like all di different job titles name um age demographics these kind of things do they need to be super complex or can we keep them relatively high level i think high level works great for like that initial piece and then when you start shifting into like the abm mode that's right. when you can start doing the sleuthing and yeah. i i i go cyber stalking deep i like I'll look at their LinkedIn, I'll look at their Facebook, I'll look at their Instagram, but that's when you're really trying to personalize mm. to say, hey, I saw you were at the Mariners game last week and wanted to, to see what you thought of the, the game. Like, what were your thoughts? And like, that's where you can like tailor those things a little bit more, but that's where it takes a, a, that three steps further to, to personalize. It. Yeah, and I suppose it depends on a few things. I, if you're in mid-market and perhaps selling something that's maybe a couple grand or something like that or a few grand a month or maybe a few hundred a month then the level of personalization might be different to if you're selling an enterprise product that's millions a year yeah um and it's a much slower cycle then your approach is going to have to be a lot more detailed i would imagine mm -hmm. than um than something slight slightly lower ticket have you got any tips trevor for this works great if you've already got a customer base and you can delve into those details that you shared with your customer support, customer service, um, customer success team. What about if you're a newer company and you've got less data to trawl through um, and you're building out your persona? Any, any tips or ideas around that? Copy. <laughs> I, one of the things that I've always struggled with when I was first coming in is a lot of the companies that I, I worked on didn't really have like established data points and didn't have 
a clear picture as to like how their product was benefiting their customer base that like as small as it was. And so it really allowed us to be like, okay, what's the vertical that we're in? Who's doing it really, really well. Right. And how do we leverage the data points that they're providing resources on to enhance what our product does and then provide key differentiators of like, okay, so we're looking at, this product versus this product and they're the ones providing the data points so let's reference those data points but then also talk about how this product doesn't solve the need the way that we do and so we can still kind of use those data points in our benefit even though it's referencing like a bigger fish in the field yeah 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 so looking at who your competitors are targeting um trying to try and go after their demographic okay got it so once we've put together these this information, we've got an idea of who we're wanting to target. Where do we then take this data, and how do we? What what is the next step? Or what do we do with this? Next step is content building. Like so, you you have your research done, right? Build the content. So identify who you're going to be reaching out to. What's the tactic that you want to take with that, and then how's how's the content going to get in there in their hands? And so okay. we build out white papers. You can build out just even simple, like my favorite thing right now. And I've, I've actually been like drawing this up in like my little cheat sheet that I'll show you. I'm <laughs> like, this is what I'm going to be doing with our content strategy. You build out long form and then it's just, you take it to the chop shop and splice and dice it 17 different ways. And so you take that one long form blog article and then you turn it into a newsletter. You turn it into uh, blurbs for your sequencing, you turn it into a white paper, a podcast, a vlog, like all of these different elements. And then you can start spreading it out through all the different channels and targeting those personas specifically in the ways that they like to receive media. So I think that's the first approach that I take. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can dive into that in a bit more depth um, in a sec. But yeah, do you think that prospects need to see a piece of content before our sales team reaches out to them i i think there needs to be some sort of give before the ask and so if a salesperson is reaching out they need to do it from a place of being a resource versus being a a drain i guess and like our cro talks about this as well as like give 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 one more time and then ask and if we can continue to drive that piece forward it will really make sure that the target person is not completely worn out by the time that you're actually having that ask because so many people are asking that one person who's that decision maker in the company for everything and so if you're actually saying hey i have this really piece of like this really good piece of content that's topical to your market it's relevant to your role I just want to give it to you, be a resource for you. Let me know if you have any questions. You wait a couple of weeks, couple like a month, you follow back up with them, be like, hey, just following up, what'd you think of the, the piece of content? And usually that starts driving up conversation because you have some sort of relevant piece coming in. And then you just start keeping that conversation flowing. And then by the time it feels natural, it's like, hey, have you heard of our products? By the way, we actually are solving a couple of the needs that you brought up in the last week or so. Okay. Thank you. 
Chili Piper's automated scheduling tools are super effective for booking and scheduling demos. I could chat about them all day long, but why not listen as a new customer witnesses the magic of Chili Piper for the very first time? Okay, you're just about to switch gears. I'm ready for it now. Hold on. Oh, we, we got one. We got one? We got one. Oh my God. Ah, yes. All right. Via ownership to one of our A's pinged me and goes, guess what just worked? Exactly how it should have happened. This is exactly how it should have happened. I could have done it. With, oh my God. You are incredible. So there it is. Proof of the power of Chili Piper. Book your free demo today over at chilipiper.com slash BGS. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-I-P-E-R.com slash BGS. Chilipiper.com forward slash BGS. Are you tired of the competition stealing your potential clients and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer? Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing, but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Or perhaps you already work with a web or SEO agency, but they're just not getting you the results they promised. Let's fix that. Get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Mention the podcast and set up a call with Sam to see if we can help you with results today. So in terms of the content that we're sharing with these this target personas that we've built out, you alluded to some just now, say kind of white papers. Yeah. Um, is there like a set strategy recommend? I.e., do we put out one? Do we build one piece of pillar content and split split that up into to other bits and pieces? I.e., podcasts or video clips or smaller guides or whatever. Or is there like a, a different strategy that you recommend or that you think works really well? Well, no. I think the first piece, like I. I would say based off of your team size, like my, my current team, we're a team of three. Um, we have a field marketing specialist that handles all of our events. And we have a marketing intern that is kind of like our, our generalist, but we're shifting him into more of like a B2C role. Okay. And so that opens up like, like there's not a lot of people right now that are helping with the content side of things, which we're hiring for. And so current state, it's like, what's what's the capacity that we have to not only continue to drive revenue and focus on customer facing materials but also building those materials and so the long form strategy where you create one piece of content that can be spliced and diced i think that works the best because you are building it once and you have all of these resources at your disposal after that fact and so it just it keeps seeing like relevant content even though you've built it one time and you don't have to use it all at once. When you build it, you can yep. take a chunk, wait a few months, and then maybe that other chunk is going to be relevant for this person later. And so yeah. you can use it whenever you need to. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. If you can chop it up and repurpose it as many times as possible, that's going to be especially effective if you've got a small content and marketing team, which many businesses do. So yeah. that's super useful. 
what should we actually this this first piece of content that we might then split up into a bunch of other things what do you think is important that goes into that are there any like best practices i.e this this should definitely be in there Ooh. uh reference links so when you're building out your seo strategy having link backs to other articles will also help improve the relevancy so it's going to improve your seo there um solid data points so the more data that you can actually flood into that the more likeliness is that like as you build your seo people are going to start using that article as reference um i and i'm, I'm kind of torn on this piece like i i was thinking back to like like how recipes do their blogs and i love when a recipe not only has written form but it also has like a video component to it so if you can do like a 15 second or a 30 second recap of this big article that you're going to read, that not only gets your face in front of people, but it also creates that other like way of learning. And so that's the kind of like approach that I want to start taking on those pieces where it's like you have two different mediums in one platform. So having the ability to either listen to it or watch it or read it, I think will yep. help drive that content further. Got it. Yeah, so giving people different options, like however they want to consume the content that you put mm -hmm. out to get the message across. Um, and in terms of getting this, let's say we've put this together, in terms of getting it in front of these target prospects that we want to do business with, what are some ways, some effective ways that we can do that? I mean, list building is a great one. So if you start a newsletter and you get people to start to subscribe to your content, I think that's perfect. Um, they're actually engaging and opting in to receive information from you. Um, targeted ads is a great way to start building that as well. I think Google is, is fine for just kind of broad approach, but if you start digging into like LinkedIn, like most of our target demo is on LinkedIn in some capacity, that's a great opportunity for us to get in their content top of mind. And then they have the in-mail so you can do actual like, email delivery to their LinkedIn message. And you can kind of hit them on multiple fronts for being in their feed, being on their banner, being in their inbox. Um, and then it, like, there's, I mean, we, we participate in a lot of conferences and a lot of like regional shows that give us yes. the, the guest lists. And that okay. also helps with relevant like targeting because those people are conferences that we know that we also want to be at. And so that also helps there. Yeah. 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 Okay. Gotcha. So in terms of diff different forms of content, it sounds like, and then getting that in front of people, whether it is on, on LinkedIn or whether it is via email or some other means so they can take a browse through, through what we've got to offer, learn a bit more. Um, at what stage or how do we know when our team should reach out to someone? Is there like a, certain step in the process or a trigger event or anything like that or anything we should look out for um any sort of engagement like we we kind of classify different levels of engagement and that's kind of the importance at which our sales team should engage with them right so if let's say they open an email that might not necessarily be a, an indicator that they're actively engaged in the content but if they open three of your emails that should be a trigger for your sales team to reach out or your SDR to just pick up the phone and call to be like, Hey, I saw that you read our emails three times, but you didn't click. What can we do to get that click sort of thing? 
Um, obviously, if they click on the content and they drive in, we send those straight to sales to be like, hey, they're actually engaging with the content and looking at stuff and there's not a huge bounce rate from these. So here you go. Um, and then obviously we, we include like schedule a demo, give us a call buttons on most of our content. And so if they click on one of those, it's instant conversion and goes straight to the sales team as well. Yeah. 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 So looking for different events that can mm -hmm. basically give your sales team a, a way to, to start a conversation with those prospects. Yeah. Do you think there's any instance where if a prospect ignores the content um, or just doesn't read it or doesn't click through on it or whatever the action is, depending on whether it's a video, an email, um, something on LinkedIn or, or elsewhere, that the sales team can still reach out? Or do you think they should? the prospect should always make some kind of engagement? I would say it depends on the, the prospect in terms of how important you feel like they are to your business. Like if like, let's say the president is your target demographic. It's going to be very hard to get in front of him, but there are ways to get in front of him. So I would say like doing what you can to actually get yourself in front of the white house picked up by his security. So you, your face is now known to the president. Like that's a great way to like get in front of him. Um, I'm not recommending doing that by the way. <laughs> I don't want to get flagged, but <laughs> I would say like doing whatever you can to get in that, that front of that target is is necessary if they are a key part of your business and you really want them on there it's finding out who they know and getting them to have that person also give a referral for you or it's finding mutual customers that if you guys are both working on the b2c side getting up in front of there or working from the bottom up and like let's say you find somebody that's like entry level in that company and you want to get to the president have that entry level person introduce you to their boss and then build a relationship there, have that person introduce them to their boss and work your way up the chain as well. There's a lot of different ways that you can work it. And I think it's just a matter of how important that target is to you. Sure, sure thing. So once we have, let's say, we've got we've got these trigger events, we're, we're reaching out. Um, is there a optimal channel that you recommend that your sales team reach out on initially is there like a process for example your company follows and i know you, you also wanted to talk about how we can personalize the outreach as well so i'd be interested to know if there's like a ie step one is cool or step one is linkedin message or is, is does it have yeah. to be like that or is it very um dependent i think it's dependent so like one of the things that i've been getting more and more frustrated with is people sending me connection requests on linkedin Right. That I've never met before. And if you like, even when you send like the little message of like, Hey, I'm just messaging you because I feel like we have a relevant, like we have an overlapping LinkedIn network. Um, that's great. But like, tell me why we should connect if, and, and like, it's happened a few times where I'm like, Oh, this person is somebody that I think would be awesome to like connect with. And they have relevant information. But then the first thing that they say to me after I accept the connection is, Hey, can I sell you my product? And yeah. I don't think that's the right approach. I think figuring out a way that like, like I really love engaging on content on LinkedIn that my target is also engaging with. So right. if they're commenting on a thread, I jump in on that thread or I even like tag them in that comment and like build that dialogue. And then I, I keep that going for a few days, for a few weeks. And like, I just start seeing where there's overlap and then my name starts building relevance. And so then I'll hit them with an, in, like an email. 
to say, hey, saw that you and I were like overlapping on some some cool co conversations. I'd love to see if we can have it in real time. Um, what's your schedule look like? And then that's a great way to like build that. And then I don't sell them. I like that's the great thing about marketing is I don't have to sell. I just build awareness of the brand and I build awareness of what our company does, but then also the resources that we have available for our customers. I think that really helps. Yeah. I like I think that's a great strategy. It's not a it's not a quick one, is it? It's more of a slow burner. Totally. Where, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I I pretty much do the same on LinkedIn most days really. Like if there's target prospects and they're engaging with content or they're putting out content, I'll try and put some half useful, relevant insight on their their post mm -hmm. or whatever their video or their image or their written post of the day and like you say, try and keep yourself top of mind. Um, yeah, and then when you feel you've added a little bit of value or insight, then DM them or send them a voice note and strike up a conversation. So I, I definitely think that's got its place um, for like a slow burner for just for starting conversations in the B two B world. But just to challenge you a little bit, yeah, um, be quick, yeah. <laughs> no, not necessarily. But what I'm saying, getting at really is a lot of sales team, especially. I mean, they're under a lot of pressure from management or whoever runs the the outbound team to start x amount of conversations per day or or make x amount of meetings for their account execs or whoever they report to um are there any other ideas i mean that's that's one great topic are there any other ways that they yeah can... we we're big fans of outreach um that's been a, a big one that we've been using from a sequencing standpoint and being able to like create these series of cadences that don't let up off the gas. It's more so, okay, you hit them with an email, you hit them with an email, you hit them with a LinkedIn message, you hit them with a LinkedIn comment, you pick up the phone, you hit them with another email and you have those cadences and you can start to see the effectiveness of how quick those work. Those are extremely effective for just basically like knocking on the door until they answer. And you're doing it in a way that's not bullish. It's doing it in a way that's like, we're still providing you with like relevant resources. We're just doing it at a faster pace and a higher cadence that at some point you're gonna see it or you're going to unsubscribe. And my, my favorite number to see when I'm doing stuff like that is our unsubscribe rate going up because you know that those are people that you don't want to engage with. And so it's like, yeah, unsubscribes, great you don't want to be the ones that we want to engage with because our content's not relevant to you. And we know our content's good because it's converting top of funnel. Yeah. So yeah. we know that it's going to continue to drive business where it needs to. And the people that are unsubscribing, those are, those are ones that they don't, they don't want to listen to us or hear from us. So we just know that it's better to not waste our time there. When it comes to sequencing with email and outreach, um, I'll give you an example, like a little, probably a few months ago, I signed up for a webinar that I don't think I actually got around to watching. It it probably was quite useful. It was, it was something to do. I think there was go-to-market strategies and a few other bits and pieces, but for some reason, I didn't attend. Anyway, the outreach that I got after was pretty basic at best. It was pretty much, Sam, thanks for going to the webinar. Did you want to book a demo? And then a couple of days later, <laughs> Sam, so you didn't book a demo yet. Did you still want to book a demo? Then maybe five days later, Sam, curious, what were your thoughts on booking a demo? It's like, this is the most unoriginal email sequence. Like there's there's zero, they haven't talked oh, yeah. to a problem that I might have. They haven't tried to share something useful with me. They haven't pointed to me resources. They've literally just said, do you want a demo for like, <laughs> I don't know, two or three weeks straight? Um, and I think in the end, I just got annoyed and clicked unsubscribe. But 
Yeah. Are there any ways that we can spice up our email outreach sequences to people that have engaged in content so it's not quite as poor as what I've just shared there? I would say it needs to be event-based for your sequence. So when you're building these sequences, think about like what's the, the originating point that gets them into that flow. And like in your case, the webinar, like you missed the webinar, they can tell, like if they're using the right tools, they can tell that you didn't attend the webinar. Yeah. So if you don't attend the webinar, some of the things that you can just deduce from that is he might be too busy. How do we talk about how our tool saves that person time in the next email? Being like, hey, I see that you were you were caught up and you weren't able to attend the webinar. One of the things that we really love about our product is it actually frees up some time for you. So maybe next time, if you're using this product, it can also help save you time so that you can attend the webinar next. Or um, if it's something where, uh, like, it, just even attending a conference, it's like, hey, I saw that you were at the conference having that sequence talk about the like one of the first sessions. Just look at the session list, add that into the piece of content. You don't even have to be there, but you can just assume what the topic was about and have that baked into that first piece of like, oh my gosh, I loved hearing about like Lizzo talking about the music industry. And that was a great, great point that she made at such and such. What did you think? And like, that's a great way to like tie it into relevancy as to why they're actually even in that list of, yeah your sequence yeah yeah and do you think i think you kind of talked about it just now that if people unsubscribe then you can tell they're not a good fit for for what you provide but do you think we should just keep emailing them till we get a response or an unsub or is it like you have a certain framework i.e we're going to send two weeks for full of useful relevant tips and resources and value and then on the start of week three we're going to say look would you like to book a meeting or do you think this is not a fit for for what we do or is is that something that people can companies can follow? I think it's it's where you you keep those going as long as you can. So meaning like until they unsubscribe, but you change up the tactic after a certain point. So like you have like you you pile drive in the first chunk of that where it's it's very high cadence, very, very high frequency. And then you start weaning those off and then start mixing in just your general product emails. And add them to your just general newsletters of like, here's recent product updates. And so they're going to just start seeing brand content that's relevant. It has resources in there, but then you can start shifting them out of your sales cycle and move them into just your general marketing cycle so that your sales team isn't having to worry about them. And then it shifts into just a full marketing tactic where they just start seeing relevant content as it moves through. Yep. And then if they engage with it, throw them right back into the sequence. Like if they open, they click, you can start to see those those trigger points and then just throw them back in. But like as things die off, just knowing where that like this is a dead lead and we need to requalify them again and having that structure, I think is really helpful because then at any point they re-engage, then maybe they're interested again and they just didn't have time before. Sure. Yeah, yeah I've got it. Makes sense. And do you think the phone should be used as a tool during any of these things that we've talked about? Or do you think the phone should only be involved once a prospect has expressed more interest than they've done so already? I, I'm torn on this. This is where it's like, I know the phone is a very useful tool because I, I come from a background where it's like, you answer the phone if it's calling. Like, regardless of who's calling, we have caller ID now. You pick up the phone if you don't recognize a number and it's like, hey, this is Trevor. How can I help you? 
because um, you just don't know who's like actually on the other end, and then you end up with a spammer. And you're like, ah, oh, shit, I, I I can't do like I I don't want to talk to you right now. Like, send me an email. But I think it's a great way to bring people top of mind when they're inundated with emails. They see spam, but it also is a really cool indicator as if your prospect is picking up the phone and then hearing from you, and they're like, yeah, just drop me an email. Clearly your subject lines need work because that wasn't enough to engage them to actually go into your content deeper. And so that's a great way to like, if they're picking up the phone for you, they clearly are wanting to engage with content. You just need to figure out how to improve the relevance of that content for them to pick it up in the email form. And I think email is a great way to go. I think, I think phones just, it's so, it's almost, it's, it's almost a little too aggressive in my mind of like, if I, if I get a phone call from somebody I've never heard from or that I've never heard about, it kind of jars me a little bit of like, how'd you get this number? But at the same time, like if you do it in a really thoughtful way, I think there's a, there's a good approach to doing it in a balanced way. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a VP of marketing. So I imagine you get the odd cold call, right? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually, right before this call, I got one, it was four 30. Um, yep. and the, like I had two missed calls, like one was from a Seattle zip code. And then the other one was from a Kansas zip code, but they were in a weird cadence right next to each other. And the Kansas one's the one that left a voicemail. I'm like, it is, it is too early, even in Kansas to like be calling me. <laughs> and so it's just like, those, those are the ones where it's just like, clearly they're not thinking about the, the person on the other end of like, what time zone are they in? What, mm -hmm what kind of business are they running? Like most of my stuff, like I, I love picking up the phone because I get random calls for people. It's like, Hey, I just had a quick question for you and I might not have their cell or they might be calling me from an office line that I just didn't have. And so like, I, I want to just make sure I'm a resource, but at the same time, like if you're picking me up and like calling, that's, that's tough. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't, I just don't have time to talk on the phone right now to you. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose it's each. I suppose each each prospect is going to be a bit different, right? In terms of the totally. channel that they actually want to be communicated with. So I think what you've laid out here is quite a nice multi-channel approach of using content as the first piece, and then growing from there once you get some kind of trigger event as to as to reaching out. Um, so yeah, I think you've you've laid out quite a nice quite a nice way to follow with content as the as the first port of call. Are there any other points, Trevor, that we've not touched on that you think is important for anyone to, to pick up on before we wrap things up? I mean, I'm a big fan of doing events now. Like I, I, I've always been a big fan of events, but I, I feel like as we're kind of getting out of this isolation mode and we're getting more into like the people actually want to have FaceTime, um, that's been, I think, just a super awesome way to get really localized focus and so our sales team is just amazing with being able to go to different markets set up a happy hour get get 50 people in a room to talk about similar topics and just learn from each other and you're building these relationships and so just finding more ways to build those relationships in a thoughtful way because the, the virtual Zoom calls are tough. Like we, <laughs> we've we done everything from having like a virtual cooking class to a paint and sip to um, we did a, like virtual fitness classes in the mornings. Like we've done we've done a lot of different varieties of- Sounds like you've done every, every virtual class going. 
Oh my Sounds gosh. Fun. It's yeah, my, my my all-time favorite though is is we did a, a tequila tasting class. And so this company nice. that we work with sent uh like six different bottles of tequila, like in small form. And <laughs> they like they were all different types and different yeah. like uh brands and whatnot. And so we did like these different tastings. We found which ones we liked the most, and then based off of the one that we liked the most they had a cocktail recipe available for you that you would like learn how to make that cocktail. And it was just, it was so much fun because like you learned about the history of it and then you learned how to actually make it and serve it. So like that kind of stuff was really engaging because every prospect got a box and like a really personalized branded box. Yeah. So it was really thoughtful, but we're at a point now where like people just don't want to be on zooms anymore. And it's just tough to keep those like, that that level of engagement that you need yeah yeah in-person events it seems to be back with a bang i know a lot of SaaS tech software yeah. events are kicking off big style um i'm quite keen to book some in, in-person speaking events myself just because like you say we've just been sat on our ass for so long staring at the screen <laughs> it's like yeah I'm, I'm, I'm ready for a bit of movement now let's let's mix up a bit get out our comfort zones and see see where our audience are hanging out so trevor with that Thank you very much for coming on, sir, and sharing your thoughts around prospecting dream clients. Much appreciated. Please do share more about how everyone tuning in can learn from you, connect with you, and any way you want to send our audience. Yeah, LinkedIn is probably going to be the best way to connect with me. Um, you can just find me at uh, Trevor Park on LinkedIn. So slash, I think it's Trevor C. Park, perhaps. And then... Um, slowly getting back into Twitter. So don't judge me on that one. I've been kind of <laughs> isolating myself from a lot of social media as I'm building up stuff, but then you can also check out our company rent dynamics. Um, you'll find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, our websites, rentdynamics.com. We have a, a lot of different products in the multifamily space. So yeah, take, take a look. Nice one, sir. We'll put all of those links in the show notes over at businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, thanks once again, Trevor. Appreciate it. Cheers, dude. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, a quick rating on your podcast channel or subscribe on YouTube goes a really long way and we really appreciate it. And with that, we'll catch you on the next episode for more actionable B2B marketing tips and insights to grow your business and grow your revenue. Cheers for tuning in.